Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. everybody, welcome to a brand new part of Black Hole Cinema with me, Tony Black, your genial host. This is Black Hole Classics, a whole new venture in which we've taken the idea of the lost interviews, which was when I did interviews with the old, in the old style of the podcasts, and I ended up keeping them on a hard drive forever. And uh, now I've decided, right, we're going to do classic films that people want to talk about, and this is the very team of Black Hole Cinema. The first one, the inaugural Black Hole Classic, is with the film reviewing legend himself, Leslie Byron Pitt. Good evening, Les. How are you doing? You right? I'm great, thank you very much. I'm not too bad at all. So what film have you chosen to go with for this first Black Hole Classic? Well, I've decided to go with The Night of the Hunter. What do you see, girl? You see the flesh of Eve that man since Adam has profaned. That body was meant for begetting children. It was not meant for the lust of men. I've been bad. What you been up to, Ruby? I've been out with men. Child. Please tell me. Where's the money hid? But I swore I promised John I would tell. John doesn't matter! It's one of the films I watched when I was, I say quite young, I, I watched it a while back when I was 16, I think, around that time, and I did fall in love with it. It was one of those films that when I was um, studying film, it kind of popped up on the on the, on the internet data, movie database or Ebert site and, and the way they talked about it, and I really wanted to watch it. And I watched it then, and um, now, recently, I'm not sure if it's Masters of Cinema or possibly Arrow, um, have re-released um, re-released it recently mm. on Blu-ray, and um, we're really really lucky here in England. We've got some really great 
uh, kind of boutique um, DVD distributors who are mm-hmm. looking back at the old stuff, be it the sleazy, trashy stuff, the Euro- like the Euro- European erotica. It doesn't really bother them. And then they've also got, you know, we've got the, uh, like the likes of Masters of Cinema and Arrow doing some more classic stuff. They 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 know there's a market still out there for Blu-rays and DVD. So, Night of the Hunter, then. This yeah. is a, a really, really good choice, actually. And um, you came to it when you were much younger. I only watched it for the first time a few weeks ago when, when we talked about doing this. And uh, I'd been I'd been curious about it for a long, long time. Uh, and I, I confess, my knowledge of film going back this far and beyond is, is sorely lacking. It's something I need to, uh, you know, sort out over the next few years. So this is, uh, it's not very often I watch a film that's 50s or, or, or previously, but I, I've always been fascinated by this one, and uh, I, I, was, I thought it was remarkably good. Mm. A quick synopsis is, it's a tale of a, of a devious character named Henry Powell, mm. who um, he's a corrupt preacher, or says he's a preacher, who uses his charms to woo an unsuspecting widow and her two children, and he attempts to try and steal a fortune of their um, of the woman's dead husband. And, you know, it opens up with this lovely kind of aerial shot before cutting to... um goes to Robert Mitchum, who is who plays the preacher and it's it's this tale of you know it cuts from this this air shot and you know you don't really see so much of that back in the day um to that it cuts to him in this car talking as if he is a preacher and talking about the, these values and morals in a certain way but they're not really he's actually talking about how he you know he's getting rid of people mm. and you know his deviousness and he kind of dresses it up it cuts to the fact that he's stolen the car <laughs> and yeah, he killed yeah. someone in order to steal the car so and dark. then it moves such a dark opening to a, to a film like this you know but i think that's one of the things it's it's one of these old films which is which is looking in the southern gothic and mm. it has these um noir elements in there as well mm. and it was directed by a guy called um uh, charles larton who was mm. a very very famous actor back in the day in, the, in his time and he decided to go into d- doing directing and he was a uh, he, he was very high in, in theater and whatnot mm. but he decided to go into um, directing. And this is the only film we ever made. Yeah, it's um, tragic that. It's really yeah. tragic that. <laughs> it's the only film we ever made. He never got past the the critical. You know, it, it, critically, it didn't do very well at the time, mm. and um, commercially, it didn't do very well at the time. But one of the things he did really well, um, you know, one of the things that happened is he made this film and he never never went back into it. But one of the things that the film seemed to have seemed to have happened, it just seemed to. St- stick by and it it found an audience somehow and in 1992 the united states library of of congress deemed the night of the hunter to be culturally or historically and aesthetically Mm. significant and one of the reasons why is uh, larton was was much better with directing kids and people because it comes from an acting background but he gave the the cinematography to um um, Thank you, Stanley Cortez. I should should really remember Stanley Cortez because um, obviously of his work in the likes of Citizen Kane, mm. um, who decide to, and they decide to set up these big, expansive, like grand expressionistic sets in order to make the uh, to make the film. And the thing that I absolutely love about about it is you see so many iconic and beautiful moments throughout. And that's just one thing. We, you know, we can get onto the 
the acting and uh, and everything because yeah. he gets some really good performances out of child actors. He gets some really good before he gets a really good performance out of someone like Robert Mitchum, who was always a strong performer anyway. It's great to see him in something like this, yeah. and then um, later on watching him in in like when he gets older in something in 1995's Dead Dead Man, and he's just got this fantastic face and perform uh, this really grand style of and he really seems to landmark and and highlight this this style of like americano is something about him there's a naturalism a... isn't there about him i think there's a naturalism in a way in terms of of just how he exudes this dangerous sort of charisma certainly in this film especially and, and well, Lawton really yes. brings that out of him the thing i love about him now that you bring it up is he people thought he was from the south and he wasn't mm, mm. um but he just ended up in these sort of southern gothic movies and films like Cape Fear. Mm. And and he he's so good. But one of the things I, I love and going back to what I was saying is just the, the visual aspect of it. These massive expressionistic sets, it doesn't look like any film of that time. No, it you know, it's it's got it's got these really odd and when I say it doesn't look like any uh, any films of that time, it doesn't look like you, the likes of Citizen Kane, which was earlier, um, and you know it doesn't look like anything you know just around that time. Even stuff that I really love of the fifties, like um, uh, Sunset Boulevard, it doesn't even look like that. Well, it feels it's, like it's 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 bridging sort of two kind of ages in a way. I think it's like you know it we're in the mid fifties. Hollywood and the world itself was coming out of this, you know, this age of, of war and austerity and everything, and it was, it was now going into the counterculture revolution period where everything was brighter and more colourful and, you know, all that kind of thing. And this seems to be like this really stark, and we can get into the themes of it later, but it seems like this really stark reminder of serious Christian values and, you know, uh, and and corruption. And it's it really it really hits home because it does from what uh, and. I, 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 like I said, I haven't seen everything from that decade, but it really stands out as something that was so unusual to people. It was a real kind of gut punch, you know, even then. But I think the thing is, it's such a bizarre film in itself. There's some visuals in it that are so mm. kind of otherworldly. Yeah. There's, there's a sort of morbid sense of humour that plays throughout. Definitely, definitely. Um, but one of the things I like it is a film... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person, um, mm. but one of the things I like about film is it, it has this sort of battle of good and evil and, and pure faith and pure of heart. Um, and I, we, we haven't really mentioned that later on there is a a character that comes along later on. It's Lillian, G- um, Lillian yeah. Gesh, um, who who plays um, Rachel Cooper later on, and there's a, there's a reason why... Um, we we have Robert Mitchum's uh, pal character terrorizing these kids to try and find out what happened to this um to to the, the stolen funds of their dead father they go they set off on this really grand adventure and i don't really don't really want to say too much because there's other things that happen mm, and mm. and like one of the most remarkable scenes is obviously the the scene underwater of a of a of a dead body just floating in the reeds yeah. and it's it's in such a really weird way and it's really ethereal and and beautiful but you you realize the extent of how evil this man is yes because he is he is he is that pure manifestation of that really he's the, you know he's the man in black he's the proper terrifying specter and it's he becomes even more because as, uh, without spoiling it the last half of the film he's he's far more of a 
you know, shadowy kind of presence stalking. You know, he's less... He has less to say. He's not even in it quite as much. And it's much more about how the good is trying to counterweight him. And it's... He really does create that. He's like... He's, he makes the Terminator look like just nothing. <laughs> you know? But, what, just... but he's also really... He's grand and charismatic. Yeah, and yeah. I think this is one thing that I've I've found lacking in in villains as of late. But that's one thing I, I love about Mitchum in this as well. It's all very big, bold, preachy uh, and and yeah. you know, that sort of grand gestures and and his face is at times is is just sometimes it's bordering on hilarious and and funny, but he's also unnerving and weird and and strange and and just not a nice character to being. And one and it's it's a bit like some of Lynch's best films where he shoots it from this kid's point of view, um, these these children's point of view, and this and this man is scary because he's very odd, and all the adults yeah. seem to just fall in love with him so quickly. It's, it's that it's that temptation sort of Lucifer kind of Satan Satan kind of charm, isn't it? He just bewitches them all, really, most of them anyway. But I I, I love that. I love the yeah. the fact that the, the adults are so naive. I think that's one of the reasons, probably, why commercially it didn't do very yeah. well. They didn't. They didn't like the idea that you had these characters who are so easily taken in. But you know, there's, there's a lot to say from something like that, especially at that in that time where people were more sort of church fearing. And this deals with you know Southern Gothic in such an interesting in, in in such an interesting way, where it puts those things on the line and and goes there are charlatans out there, and there are people of true faith, mm. and that's the sort of thing I really enjoy, I, I kind of really enjoy, where you know where good can may be able to triumph for evil, but you still have these elements of darkness in there. It's mm. all shot in. Um, Wonderful, like this really wide, expansive of shots. There's a beautiful um, moment where the naive character that um, Shelley Winters plays, and she plays the, the the poor kid's mother. She kind of just about realizes what seems to be going on, and there's just fantastic grand scheme where she's talking and he, you know, he's all this posturing for Mitchum. And it's such a weird shot because it's it's not close up at all. Um, it, it's it's really far and distancing and and uh, kind of chilly, and but it's still really expressionistic. I, I it's just this these fantastically bizarre uses of of space. And it just gives it a really wonderful, otherworldly quality about the film. It's just powerfully evocative for me. I I find it that it's got this really kind of, and you, you mentioned it before that it has these really strange, you know, visuals. And it's it's got, and it ties into thematically what the film is really. I think in that it's it's very operatic in the sense of of this battle between good and evil and the and the staunch religious themes going all the way through it. And it really—that's why I, I like Lillian Gish so much in it. And it's—it's it's amazing that you know. I mean, she's the she was the silent film, you know, grand dame, wasn't she, Lillian Gish? Yes. So to be able to be coming in and being so good, I mean, she she almost matches Mitchum in terms of the star performance here. She's fabulous. And but I think that's one of the things I really loved. Uh, I loved mm. about um, the, the the silent um, actresses and actors that. That carried on and managed to continue. Obviously, you've got people like Gordon Swanson, yeah. who was who wasn't a, a, a silent um, 
character and they they were allowed to do all these grand gestures and i think now we're so used to a certain style of acting we probably wouldn't be able to see that stuff again but you watch it in these older films and they seem so it's so interesting and stylistic mm. and and wonderful and uh, you know and i i dare i say it bold there's something mm. about having these grand and bold and really sort of heady performances as opposed to now where everyone everyone sometimes plays things down it's maybe reflective of the times you know possibly i think it's it's ironic in that in in a world where people would be very repressive and repressed and and you know in in the in the 50s you had a great deal of 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 that kind of post-war repression balanced against this counterculture like i said before and then you have something so operatic and grand that people struggle to get their heads around and then it becomes beloved later. And that's why, <clears> you know, Charles Lawton is, I think Daniel Day-Lewis called him, you know, the greatest actor who ever lived. And when it's coming from Daniel Day-Lewis, then he is, you know, <laughs> we're talking yeah. about a giant here. And it's somebody who was mi- misunderstood in his time. And then, ironically, when you flip that round in, in the days where everything is, is, oh my God, grand, epic, legendary, where everyone's dramatic, and then, like you say, people tend to play things down. You know, it, it, it is strange, but that doesn't have nearly the same impact as a film with such grand, you know, like I say, operatic gothic stylistics as something like this. And that's why even now, it it really strikes a chord. It unnerves. It's you know, it, it does bewitch you, like like Henry Powell bewitches these people, and it's it's quite stunning, really, in in the way it looks and and it, as as well in the way it's written as well, because it's mm. a fantastic screenplay. That mm. really brings out these characterizations and, uh, and 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 using terms like like people being called lambs, you know, he calls everyone lambs, you know, yeah, all, all the time, which is really creepy and, and but also and, really you know obvious as well in the sense of yeah. they're all sheep, they're all sheep, you know, <laughs> they're all yeah, yeah. easily yeah. you know easily led. <laughs> and then you know with with the shooting, like with you know taking a cue from all the nineteen twenties German expressionism and. You know, shadows on walls and looming spectres and moonlight casting down on open plains and, and things like that. It's just it's just really quite powerful in, in the way it looks, in the way it feels, and and it's just so dark. So dark. <laughs> but yeah, mm. with that element of without ruining it, that element of hope and that whole central idea of childhood innocence and, you know, how children can maybe, you know, be saved from from this kind of elemental evil really yeah well you know the, the the big thing and one of the last lines is Lillian Gish say along the lines of we abide we we, we continue on we you know we, we we find the time we find this faith and hope and, and, and glory it's a it's a really lovely well put together mm. like kind of aspect there but it is just it's it's one of the things I kind of love for movies in general it's one of the reasons why I kind of like going back to it because at no way we, we like to say there it's a simpler time I don't think so I think what happens is we've we've kind of so we you know we kind of sift out so much and we only take on so much um, but there were some real I think one of the reasons why I really enjoy so many fi- films from certain eras and whatnot is because the dark ones seem to just kind of pop out be it film noir or or even the the, the really caustic um, um, films um, from someone like Billy Wilder at his at his best something like Ace in the Hole but you know with this it's, it's this beautiful thing on 
it gets the balance right and it's just got this I, I, I really love the tone of it and, and how it looks and what it looks like and and it just generally you know I've, I've been kind of delving into the southern, uh, southern gothic for a little while um, um, it the last week or so and watching films like Wise Blood <laughs> it's just got all mm. these you know, these fantastic characters that seem to just um, that come out of it and you know, um, you know we haven't even got on to like pals talk about the struggle between love of love and hate and how he yes, kind and, of and the knuckles yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you know th- this stuff that you see in you know th- one of the things that I love is it that's that pops up in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing mm. and it comes from a completely different character with a completely different perspective on life but on his brass he's got brass knuckles doing the exact mm. saying comp- something completely different but just that element and it shows what kind of, how deep someone like Spike Lee was looking in, into America and how these things do, do, do get transferred and they do transfer from, from race and, 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 and politics and, and, and religion and how, you know, how these things are watched and seen. Well, you can see the influences in a lot of people from this. You can see the influences in, you know, Scorsese, you know, in the Coens, you know, there's, there's lots of different people who you can tell have, watched a f- like this film and have been re- marked by it when they were younger people who are now pr- producing films that will be as well regarded in 50 years time you know 60 years time just it is one of those films that people haven't forgotten necessarily but i think it's it's not as well remembered as your citizen canes and your you know and your, and your films like that from similar eras and i think that it really deserves to be and it's 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 one really that mainly people involved in film or film enthusiasts know and revere and it's it would be nice if more people knew the legacy really that a film like that has has cast really over like i said before a lot of filmmakers and a lot of hollywood and a lot of the way things you know happened since so it's Mm. it's a great choice for the first ever black hole classic so thank you liz (laughs) thank you for uh coming on and discussing this one well thank you for having me yeah (laughs) Hopefully we can uh, recommend that to everybody and, you know, go, they'll go and pick themselves up a copy. You can find Les uh, at AfroFilmViewer on Twitter and he, you have a website, AfroFilmViewer.com dot com, uh, yep. where Les writes many great reviews and uh, blogs about things, so do check him out. Yes. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Black Hole Writer and uh, at Black Hole Cinema is Black Hole Cinema, as you already know. Black Hole Classics will be back um, very soon. Thanks, Les. Thanks again for coming on. No problem. And uh, we'll see you all again very soon. Take care, guys. The combined powers of Paul Gregory and Charles Lawton brought the King Mutiny Court Martial to Broadway. Now the screen receives that same creative, electrifying impact. The Night of the Hunter. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spring, is that you? 
Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com code SUPER24.